Hello, you are listening to Homilies from Newman University Church, founded by St. John Henry Newman and the home of the Notre Dame Newman Center for Faith and Reason. Yesterday afternoon, it being so beautiful, I kept attempting to circumvent the the rally, the uh, protest that was happening right out on the top of Grafton. And so as I went for a walk, I, I kept trying to go farther and farther out, and I kept running into remnants of it, eventually kind of walking into the tail end of it, or part of it, in front of the post office. And then, knowing that it had been mostly broken up, I was walking back and coming up Grafton, and when I got right near the top, uh, I was wearing a mask. I heard uh, somebody on a loudspeaker claiming that, uh, in fact, all of the restrictions were unnecessary and foisted upon us for no reason, and that we know scientifically that the current virus is no worse than the flu. I'm glad I had my mask on, because I did say something. (laughs) But I I, I had an intense desire to shout out something, That would have been neither polite nor helpful. But uh, discretion took hold and I just kept walking. We live in a world that's been turned upside down, not just here in Ireland, but all around our globe. We know that over 4,300 people here in Ireland have died of COVID or COVID-related illnesses. We know that in my home country, over half a million people have died. And worldwide, we're in the millions. And yes, every year people die from the flu. But what we're seeing and what we've experienced and what we're continuing to try to cope with is unprecedented in the lifetime of almost everyone on the earth. The most recent similar incident would be the Spanish flu, the so-called Spanish flu of 1918 that extended into the early 1920s. There are people who survived that who are still alive, but few and most of us have never had to endure the reality of a pandemic, live as a community live as a society, live as faithful people trying to figure out what we should do, how we should live. And I do believe that at the end of this crisis, in a year or so, we will hopefully have some meaningful post-mortems that help us to unpack what we did, what was effective, what wasn't effective. But as people of faith, as members, men and women who live in a society. It is our responsibility to do what we can, to do at times what we're asked to help society make it through the crisis. For many of us who live in our little bubbles, our little cocoons, I see mostly the same three or four people. I live with a group of Jesuits. I come to the office several blocks away. 
and then go back. In my time here in Ireland, I perhaps know one or two cashiers at Dunn stores best of anyone else because at, at once a week, I speak to them. But for those of us who live in the cocoon and who can get frustrated at the restrictions, we have to be mindful of what those who are living at the, at the front edge, some of our essential workers are going through. There's a beautiful video available from the New York Times. It's about an 18-minute movie short that just came out in the last few days. But we're following emergency room ICU nurses in Phoenix, Arizona. And over the course of a week or two, several of the worst uh, nurses actually wore cameras. And just watching them day after day, hour after hour, minute after minute, care for people who are going to die. And this has been going on for a year. And it explored the ramifications for them, the prediction of PTSD when this is over, their need to carry this burden and not put it on their families, and the frustration at seeing people claim, well, it's my responsibility and I will make my choices. As one doctor said, these same people, when they come into the ICU, don't say, well, I made my choices, let me go. Of course they want to live. Today we see Jesus transfigured on the mountaintop. And we see the fullness of the glory of God. He stands with the representatives of the Old Testament and the prophets, Moses and Elijah. He stands in transfigured glory, so bright and dazzlingly white that it would be hard to look at. He stands and the apostles are afraid. They don't know what to do. Who would? And they hear G Jesus be proclaimed the beloved son by his heavenly father. And we are told to listen to him. Listen to him. This moment occurred in the life of Jesus just six days after his prediction of his own suffering and death. And at the end of the story we hear today, Peter, James, and John are told to not say anything about it until he is risen from the dead. And I love the final line. But they did discuss among themselves what rising from the dead might mean. And then they watched Jesus walk through human hardships, suffering, brutal torture to his own death. God, as I have said before, and you've heard endless times in church and have experienced in your own life, God does not say that if we are faithful, we will not encounter hardship. God does not say that we will not know suffering and does not say that we will be free from the human condition. What he says and what he tells us and what we have seen in the person of Jesus Christ is that if we enter into Christ and allow Christ to enter into us, we will experience resurrected glory, not just in some future time, but as we move through these moments of difficulty and hardship, we will understand that we can unite our suffering and bring to completion the suffering of Christ so that the world can be saved and enter into that union, return to that perfect state of Eden where all is one with God.
we walk through a difficult time. We can choose to pretend like it won't impact us or that we have personal rights that would be offended if we help our society move forward, get a grip on what we're dealing with. Or we can say that despite our own frustrations, our chafing at the limits that we've been asked to put on ourselves and that society has put on us, we can say that however imperfect our efforts may be, however flawed we may later realize they were, we are walking together. We're walking as a society, but those of us with faith, we're walking as members of the body of Christ, we're walking as the body of Christ, trying to bring healing and hope to the world. And our job is to recognize our frustration and then ask God to help us let it go. But then to enter into prayer and to enter into whatever that we can do to support those essential workers at the front lines, those ICU nurses who are taking care of those who are breathing their last and suffering through it. For nobody walks with someone with care and compassion without experiencing grief at every single loss. We can enter into prayer for and support our teachers who have been walking now for the better part of a year with students using techniques and methods they were never trained in and attempting to keep hope alive and learning moving forward in the lives of their students while also struggling with the fact that they are struggling that their own kids are going through it, that they're not only teaching other people's children, they're, they're often having to take care of their own. And there are so many other workers I felt for and regularly feel for, those essential workers none of us think as being particularly essential until you need to use the restrooms at the top of Grafton Street when hundreds of people to descend on it yesterday to talk about their individual rights and how oppressed they're feeling from the restrictions, but expect a toilet to be cleaned. Essential workers like the women I talked to at Dunn's, who in order to keep their family going have little choice but to engage with hundreds of people a day in a time when they know they need to be cautious and maintain senses of restrictions while also being people who communicate with, make connection with, and help that human condition continue to thrive in whatever way it can in a time when we're so limited. Today we see Jesus transfigured, and we should take hope in that. We should know that the end is confirmed, but that our job is to find that transfigured glory in our lives today. Our job is to embrace and accept the hardships that are ours, especially for those of us for whom these hardships are minimal. But we should feel for and be compassionate toward those who are sick and dying, for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We should be mindful of the needs of those who are homebound and now at nearly wit's end after a year, for people in our care homes and for those who take care of them. And we should begin to see 
that through this crisis, not after this crisis, in this crisis and through this crisis, we have the opportunity to be ever more fully that resurrected glory which is Christ, his living presence in our world, that by our prayer, by our hope, and by our little actions in self-denial and reaching out in safe and meaningful ways to others, we can be compassion in our world. And our world, which is suffering, may know and see a glimpse of transfigured glory.